Brad and I are going to the NCS show, and I, I arrive about four or five hours earlier than Brad. We're splitting a hotel room to save a couple bucks. And because I arrive earlier and because I'm me, I take a moment and I, oh, I get the hotel room all nice. I, I unpack my bags. I I had brought, literally, I had brought three or four magazines. So I fanned them out as one does with one's poker hand. You know, I fan them out on one little table. I, I put out my Wacom one. I put out my sketch pad. I've got, I've got things arranged on the... And uh, about four hours, and then I'm like, oh, this is nice. And the hotel looks nice. I open the windows. I have it all pleasant. Uh, Brad comes in about four hours later. Shoulder bag gets thrown on the, the little side table. Other suitcase gets dropped. Jacket comes off and gets thrown across the room. And he literally, gang, like you do with your forearm, he does a forearm swipe across the whole table of stuff that I had set up so pretty and just flops yeah. down on the couch and be like, so what's new with you? And I'm like, wait, what was all that? I had this hotel room all nicely set up and Brad came in like a tank, just a bat out of hell. But it was... It was the forearm swipe of like just a, a moment that like oh. having a moment clearing off the whole table for yeah. no good reason that I was like, what was all what that about? The fuck? I was like, what the fuck are these doing here? Just get them out of my way. You know, I, it was it was it was unbelievable. I walked in and and there's number one, the windows are open. Who does that? You, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> number two. I'd never seen anybody use the hangers in the, the the little wardrobe that they give you in the in the hotel room. Like I I just take stuff out of the suitcase, put it on, and walk out the door. He's got stuff hanging. He's got he's got stuff sorted by colors, and and then the, the magazines. Which, I, honest to God, if you would have told me that those had been artfully arranged, I would have I would have taken a moment to to appreciate them before I swiped them. But they were just in the way. It is where they were i had stuff i needed to set down and 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 i i i i remember distinctly moving it out of the way sitting down and and by the way that was all accurate and asking dave how he was doing and i watched just the color draining out of his face like because, i had just kicked a puppy because he cleared all, he, my my beautifully arrayed uh, table display he he wipes it away Oh. I don't even know what you needed the room for. Did, Those, did you have like a giant Slurpee had, from 7-Eleven you had, had to put down? <laughs> I had stuff I needed to put down. I had, what classy I think I had item did you have to put down on my table that I had so artfully oh. arranged? You're like, I need this space, brah. And, and such and such important works of publication as well. There, I think there was a AAA guide there. There was uh, there was so so you're new to the city sailor that magazine. It was it was it was all kinds of the dumbest magazines I'd ever seen in my life. It was just it was what is this doing here? All to make way for Brad's 48 pack of Slim Jims that he had to put down on the table. <laughs> <laughs> that that did not go uneaten, my, by the way. They, did, they they were not they were not untouched virgin slim jims. No, no, you polished them off. You sure did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, on that note, I'm gonna say hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of Comic Lab, the show about making comics. And making a big deal about nothing. Living from <laughs> comics, I'm Brad Geiger, editor of webcomics.com and the cartoonist of Evil Inc. And I'm his friend Dave Kellett, who artfully arranges a hotel room only to find it destroyed oh, in moments. So I'm the cartoonist of Drive and Sheldon and the co-director of the comics documentary Stripped. Honest to goodness, my friends, he was going to stay behind and show housekeeping how to do it right next time. I'm like, come on, let's go get breakfast. Honest I want to bounce goodness. a quarter off the sheets, Brad. I want to bounce oh. a quarter off the sheets.
God. And this week's hour of comics <laughs> advice is made possible by your support at patreon.com slash comic lab. So Dave, Dave, let's talk comics. Let's talk comics, my friend. And in fact, let's talk comics at the NCS because we have a very yeah. special show to end off the year for everybody. Uh, as you all, all will remember, Brad and I were nominated for uh, a Rubin Award, a Silver Rubin Award at the National yeah. Cartoonist Society meeting in New Jersey this year. Brad and I very excitedly uh, j- uh go out to the show we we share a room which is much like uh uh felix and what's the other guy on on oscar uh, uh, the, the uh, one felix you're thinking oscar. of is oscar yeah, y- yeah. yeah. Uh, surprisingly uh, you remembered felix's name i wonder why that is <laughs> I, w- I wonder which one you're a little bit more like Oh, that got me. Anyway, uh, the, the the two roommates uh, go out there to NCS. We have a grand old time. We we have yeah. uh, we talk to everybody from Kathy to Jim Davis. We're having a wonderful time. And this show is specifically audio clips we've gotten from that weekend. We went around to ask cartoonists one very specific question. Yes, and and is it is it was this? Do you fan to the left with your magazines or to the right? And after they stopped laughing, oh my god. we asked them We're this. Five minutes into the show, we can let it go now. Oh my god, do you fan to the left? Yes, this was the actual question. We it, because it's the most important question in creativity. Uh, period. And every time somebody gets asked it, either at a comic convention or a personal appearance or an interview, they always give a dumb answer because I think we're scared to talk about this because it's 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 really at the heart of what makes creativity happen. We ask them, where do you get your ideas? Specifically, when there's no ideas coming, when there's there's nothing happening between your ears, how do you spark creativity? How do you make an idea happen? And we told them, no joke answers. You gotta answer this directly. How do you make creativity happen? And we got some tremendous answers. Yeah, and part of the, the the brilliance of this questioning was these are people that are in the trenches of daily yeah. deadlines, even more so than Brad and I. They're doing seven days a week, sometimes yep. for decades on end. In the case of Mike mm-hmm. Peters, and uh, so there are there are family deaths they've lived through, there are terrible illnesses they've lived through, there are uh, divorces and mortgages falling apart, and yet they had to come up with an idea for the next day. And so mm-hmm. this line of questioning was basically, how do you force it when nothing is coming? And in fact, life might yeah. be uh, going against you in terms of trying to spur creativity. So really fun series of questions from different artists from all over North America who are working in the trenches of daily syndication. And let's hear from them right now. Hey, you guys, this is Jamar Nicholas. Uh, I am a Philadelphia bread and, bread and born and buttered uh, cartoonist. You can find me at jamarnicholas.com and also on Instagram. Uh, how, do I, how do I make things happen when I'm up against the wall? You know what? There's a part of me that doesn't panic anymore. And, you know, a lot of young cartoonists ask, where do you get your ideas? Do you just stare at a piece of paper until, like, blood forms on your forehead? And what I found out is that if you just let it happen, generally it'll come to you. I think kind of stepping away from it sometimes is also helpful, but I think not forcing it always works. 
Uh, hi, I'm Isabella Bannerman, and I am the Monday artist for King Features comic strip Six Chicks, which is drawn by uh, six different women, and we each draw a different day of the week. And one, there's two exciting things about Six Chicks these days. One is that we now have Bianca Uniz. She's one of the first um, queer, black, African-American artists to be syndicated, and uh, we got into the L.A. Times. So those are our two claim to fames recently. Um, yeah, so I have a stash of old sketchbooks, and I sometimes can go through them and find things. And I also have a binder, a three-ring binder, and it's called Roughs by Calendar. So I have it divided into, like, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, spring. So um, it, sometimes I'll find a good joke in there, like an old rough sketch, and then sometimes it will um, just get my mind going. So I'll remember, oh yeah, this is the kind of thing I think is funny about Thanksgiving or something like that. So um, yeah, and then going, even going back into um, past cartoons, like I'll go and go through my files for 2015 or my files even for 2004. And it's like, well, that, that joke was ahead of its time. I think I can re retool that one. Absolutely, yeah. I, I've done that myself. And um, and when those tricks don't work, is there any like last stop, last stopgap measures that you do? You know, sometimes when you're tired and just feeling desperate, that is actually a source of humor because you're feeling something. You're, you know, you're whatever the deadline is there, right? But the, but the impulse to make people laugh, or to make yourself laugh, or to get yourself out of a bad mood is still somewhere inside you, right? And so, I think it's just a question of. Um, instead of focusing on the fact that there's a deadline, maybe focus on the uh, the reason you got into cartooning in the first place, which is to connect with people and make people laugh. And then it sort of shifts the, the feeling. Instead of being focused on the deadline, you're focused on the reason you wanted to do it in the first place. Hi, my name is Bill Morrison. I'm mostly known for The Simpsons and Futurama. I usually look through books. I just go to my library. I've got a huge reference library that are mostly picture books. And I just I just kind of flip through looking for something that sparks an idea. Um, I try not to, to just swipe an idea. Because right. sometimes I'll be looking through cartoon books and I'll <laughs> see something and I'll go, oh, that's a great idea. And then I'll be like, no, everybody's going to know that I stole it from this. <laughs> um, but, but sometimes you can look at something that is, is a funny idea and it'll, it'll spark a more original idea from you. Yeah. And that's what I try to do. So really taking off your editorial hat just letting yourself stew through art works that are already created kind of thing. Yeah, and sometimes it's not, you know, cartoon books. Sometimes it's, you know, just pictures or, um, you know, I, I know a lot of cartoonists say, you know, I, I listen to the news and I write about something that's current that's happening. And I do that sometimes. Yeah. Um, I, I don't do a regular strip or anything like that. So whenever I've been up against this problem, it's normally... Like when I'm trying to do a cover, uh, like when I was at Bongo and uh, as editor, I had to come up with cover ideas. Yeah. And so that that's normally when I've had that problem where I just don't have an idea. What do I do? Um, but uh, I've never, I've, you know, I've done comic stories. I've never really done a newspaper strip. So I don't have that daily 
problem that a lot of cartoonists have of just trying to come up with something every day and being on a deadline like that. For me, it's a little more leisurely. So I, I have the, the luxury of um, being able to, to spend three hours looking through books in my library to try to come up with something. I'm Jeff Keed, and I draw the Family Circus. Well, what we do with the Family Circus, I know I always, t I asked my dad this when, you know, the years I started to work with him. And he said the easiest thing for him to do is go back. He would go back and start looking at what cartoons might have been in, you know, his first 10 years or whatever, because as time goes on, the, the characters changed. So at the beginning, it was more gaggy. And, and I don't mean um, gaggy throwing up. <laughs> I mean gaggy, like uh, funny. Um, he would do those gags. And so then later on, it realized, developed into more of a, a, a tug at the heart, lump at the throat type of gag. And so he could take those earlier ones and sort of delve into what was the meaning behind those to begin with what 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 mommy might have said to uh, to Jeffy that caused him to say this or what Jeffy might have said to to mommy and that would inspire uh, a new thought a new idea i mean you can you can approach it from a different standpoint you know what what would uh, what would billy have said to around the same situation and because the characters had different voices, you could use that voice. Or if it was a Sunday page, you could you could turn a daily into a Sunday by expanding on the idea. Or the opposite, it, may, it might have been a Sunday page that had four or five different gags in it. You could take one of those down and make it one gag. Or you or it would inspire maybe a week's worth of work. But it, by using that, and it, I don't think it was a conscious thing that you kind of do. It's all of a sudden, as you see something, you go, oh, I know. I, oh, I know what he could say there. And that sets you off where all of a sudden you're on, on, on your way. And maybe that gag inspires another gag that has to do with outdoors or indoors or, or TV or wherever it is. And that's saved us uh, many, many times in our lives. And hopefully that's still how we can, uh, we can come up with the gag still. Hi, I'm Greg Cravens, and I draw the buckets. I force it. Uh, I've got a ginormous box or two of old notebooks and a lot of post-it notes with little ideas scribbled on them. Half the time you grab out any three and you start comparing them and you go, if they all fit together, oh, look, I've rearranged these ideas by by rearranging the post-it notes. That gives me another another idea. Or I can look at other comic strips that I don't like that I think, boy, that was that was almost done well. And then you start thinking, hang on, how would I how would I approach this thing? It was about losing your house keys, which is not what the other strip is about really, but it happens in the strip and you go, all right, and you can kickstart your good ideas by looking at something and going, that's not well done. <laughs> and you go, I can do better than that. I, mm -hmm, I can fix this one. So a lot of times it's literally just looking at comic strips and, and anything that hits you and you go, why in the world would you have ever done it that way? I'm going to do it better. I'm going to do it this other way. That's, that's a go-to for, I got to knock out some stuff. It never gives you a story arc. 
you know, you're going to come up with a gag if you're lucky. But it gets you started. But it, yeah, yeah, and but yeah, four or five gags, and you're 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 good to go. You start drawing. Yeah, yeah, and you know, if you if you bumble across a a story arc by rearranging your post-it notes and going, oh, that gives me another idea. Oh yeah, then yay, you know, you're you're doing that much better. Uh, I also try to keep. A couple of weeks worth. I'll I'll try to I'll try to write three weeks worth if I can, and then I don't ink them right away. I I, I I've got layout sheets where I do all my lettering. It gives you the idea, and then you set it aside. You want to come back to it, you know, a week later and go, I'm gonna erase this middle part. And I just realized that I thought the granddad was gonna be saying this in the strip, and that's not. That's it's gonna be the kid because it's funnier. Right. So, and you let time be the editor. Right. And that's that's a that's an old Stephen King thing. He wrote this this thing called On Writing. And if you read it, he says, you know, write your book, write whatever you got, put it in a drawer, don't look at it for six months. Come, you know, you bring it back out and you go, I don't even recognize this. I did I write this? I don't think I wrote this. And, and then you're going, now I can be objective about it and I can edit it properly. So it's really, really it's a luxury when you can grab a stack of stuff that you did three weeks ago and go, oh yeah, you know, this can be, this can be tightened up, this can be made better, I'm, you know, a whole different character saying stuff. Hi, I'm John Rose and I draw the Barney Google and Snuffy Smith comic strip for King Features. When I was in college, Mike Peters spoke to our school uh, at James Madison University and he showed us how he came up uh, with ideas when he was against the wall. And it basically is an idea wheel you kind of start off in a, with a circle and you write maybe dog and then you do spokes off that circle and you would put things that relate to dogs. Then you would do spokes off those and do things maybe that relate to, like if you had dog, then you had bone, then you might do doghouse, you know, you just, or you could go opposite. You go the other way, like start with, instead of things that relate, thing, maybe things that don't relate, like opposites, like dogs, cats. Um, so that's one way to get the ideas going. Uh, I'm Mike Lynch. Uh, I'm a magazine cartoonist, illustrator, a cartoon book editor, also adjunct faculty at New England College for the Comic Arts program. Uh, a lot of it is habit, uh, because you're always turning things around in the back of your mind, even if you're in the line at the grocery store and that kind of thing. So uh, there's always something cooking. But uh, two things. One, uh, it actually helps to go look at uh, whatever you're doing, if, for, for me it's you know gag cartoons. So you grab one of those dusty old books, like the best cartoons in 1958, and they're you know they're of their day, but the, the gag construction is interesting and the drawings are really good, uh, and that's helpful to kind of you know prime the pumps as you say. But the other thing, and this is, I don't think it's a secret, but it works for me. Um, you think about stuff that makes you angry. Um, for instance, Wall Street Journal published a cartoon of mine uh, because one day in real life I was behind a car and the car was just an idiot. They were going too slow and they weren't signaling and I, wow, come on, come on. And, and I really was yelling in my car, um, but on the back of the car were bumper stickers that had political and social things that I absolutely agreed with. So, uh, so I made that into a cartoon, and I, I mean, it sold like the next weeks. <laughs> like, I can't get angry at this guy because I agree with every one of his, you know. So there you go. Hi, I'm Mike Peters. I do Mother Goose and Grimm. Um, I could show you a uh, a book that I usually carry 
of just ideas, of just things that I write down. And, and I, um, I don't know if I'll ever use them. They're just blips. I mean, for every cartoon, usually, that I come up with, I've uh, b- about 10 other ideas that I, I go through, you know, um, and, and, then, and then now I'm going back and looking at them and saying, oh, God, I really need to start using some of these, you know? And um, so that's what I do. But I always... Uh, look at a blank sheet of paper, and I always um, uh, think, "Oh shit, I have no ideas. What am I going to do?" Right. You know, and um, but it's 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 part of the process, part of my process of of of, of being a cartoonist. And I would imagine many people do this. Uh, maybe maybe not. Um, I just I just start drawing, and I'll put grim, let's say, um, into a situation, and then. Uh, and then I go over to another thing, and then I just keep drawing until I come up with something that, ah, you know, the thing, you know? Hi, I'm Mark Parisi, and I draw off the mark. Um, One of the things that works for me, like, sometimes you don't have the option to rest. Like, you have to do it, and I have these, um, after doing it for so long, there's certain, I don't want to call them tropes, but I guess guess they're tropes. There's, like, movie theater tropes where there are certain animals or inanimate objects or something in the audience and they're watching something on the screen that terrifies them. So that, or there's, there are certain like things that it's like, okay, here's a starting point. I've done this different versions of this cartoon. There's still another version in there. And so I just need like some, some starting point. And then it's like, okay, cause, cause if I don't, Focus. I'm like, okay, there are clouds, there are devils, there are porcupines. There, you know, I need to kind of, all right, focus. And then once I kind of narrow that focus and know there's a deadline, it always leads somewhere. So for you, it's the restriction helps. Yes, oh, 100%. The intentional restriction. Yes, yeah. yes. Like the, the, the bigger the options are, the harder it is to go anywhere. So if I can restrict myself and go, okay, I'm just going to focus, I'm just going to do this, then my mind can pick limitations and go, okay, here's a way to go and just kind of go down that path. Hi, I'm Norm Feudy. I'm most known for my comic strip retail. Uh, I also do children's books with Scholastic and HarperCollins. You know, I I think a lot of people, a lot of artists say this too, rituals really are important. So, I mean, when I was writing a syndicated comic, I had a ritual of for writing because the drawing is always kind of automatic for me at any rate. So when you, so I, I would give myself two days with which to write. Usually it only takes one for me to, you know, write, but I always give myself sort of that buffer. If things aren't coming, I I need to give myself the permission and the room to like kind of fail, to not come up with anything all day. uh, So I can at least have a next day to like, uh, to, to start again. That's a really interesting idea. So for you, what is, what is that gift of the day of a failure? You know what I mean? Well, because you have to realize some days you're just not going to come up with anything. And if you don't give yourself the room to not have any ideas one day, um, you're just going to stress yourself out or you're going to settle on an idea that's that's uh, not great. You know? Yeah. So. 
But it's really, it's building in the, the ritual of allowing for failure, basically, in the process. Right, yeah. I don't give myself, well, it takes me a day to write a strip, so I only get a day. You know, I'll give myself a few days to, uh, you know, a little bit of a buffer. Um, but ritual is important, too, because if you if you sit down every Monday and say, this is my writing day, and so I'm going to sit at my table, and, you know, it might take me half a day before I get some ideas, that's fine, but, you, you know, as long as you have that ritual, it, it can come a lot easier. Hey, if you're listening while you work, take a minute to stand and stretch. And while you're doing that, we're going to tell you why you should join us on Patreon. When you do, you're going to get hours and hours of podcasts that we've recorded just for backers. And exclusive Patreon posts that go even deeper on Comic Lab topics. And access to our exclusive Discord server, which is a thriving community of professional cartoonists. So you can support the show you love and get tons of actionable resources for your own cartooning. And listen, if you can't swing a pledge this month, we get it. No worries. Yeah, yeah, listen, you can still support the show by rating us wherever you get your podcasts. Just leave a five-star review and a few kind words. That, along with mentions on social media, is incredibly helpful. Now, everybody, let's talk comics. And on that note, Brad and I want to give a huge shout-out and a thank you to every cartoonist who took time out of their vacation weekend who talked yeah. to us at the Rubens with such joy on and off the mic about their cartooning. God, what a pleasure it was. And I will say it again because we, we've said it before on recent shows. Give a good think to uh, going to a Ruben weekend at some point in your life and joining yeah. the NCS because, God, there's some fun conversations to be had there around cartooning yeah. with some of the best in the world. And like we said earlier, particularly if you're concerned with uh, networking opportunities and 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 just reaching out to other people who understand uh, some of the very specific issues that cartoonists uh, today handle, uh, the NCS is a really, really good opportunity to do that. Keep an eye on what they're doing, particularly this year. I think we're going to see a real big push from the NCS uh, trying to, to become what it needs to be in the next uh, several yeah. decades. Yeah. Uh, take a look at what Jamar is doing with the uh, his show on YouTube uh, mm -hmm. that, that talks to cartoonists in their studio. Take a look at a lot of the stuff that they're doing right now. Uh, I, you're going to see some big changes. I think this is a great time to join the NCS. Yeah, I think this, if I'm pronouncing it right, this is really the sort of chrysalis stage, I think, for the NCS yeah. in that uh, changing from what it was for most of its history, which was kind of an old boys network from the rich, yeah. of the richest syndicated cartoonists uh, to becoming, I think, something much broader uh, and frankly, more fun, I think, and more useful, more utility in the NCS in the years yeah. to come. So I'm excited to see what it'll become. And uh, but I want to ask you, Brad, at the end of this show. Yeah. You are now going in, uh, probably coming up on year 25 of your cartooning, I would guess. Yeah, getting um, close. So this will be the 24th year we're going into. So um, as, a, as a man with a few years uh, under his boots there uh, in cartooning, that made no sense as a visual metaphor. Years under his a boots. A man with a yes. few years under his boots, ladies and gentlemen. If you wanted to know <laughs> who writes professionally, Dave Kellett, professional ah, writer over ah, here. Ah. Um, so Brad, as a cartoonist with a few years under your boots, how do you force it when you don't have an idea and nothing is coming and there's nothing on the horizon and maybe life is conspiring against you? You have active bad news in your personal life. How do you yeah. force it? Yeah, well, uh, listen, it, it, 
I've got a couple of thoughts on that. Uh, the first one is every time I've ever faced writer's block, it's it, when I look back, it's always been more of a crisis of confidence than it's been a crisis of content. All right. Now, I'll tell you what I mean by that. Uh, when I look back in my sketchbook, I find that I actually had a lot of ideas. I just didn't have the confidence to take one of those ideas and work from it. And yeah, what I finally yeah. did, and this is where I'm a real big fan of deadlines, because uh, I think deadlines force this. And this is something that I talk about with my storytelling students every semester, is that ideas are worthless. And what really counts is the execution of the idea. Now, you've heard me say that on the show before. Here's what it means. It means that you take one of those ideas and you say, OK, this is the idea I'm going to do. And right, then you start right. working on how to make that idea work, how to how to how to how to find something interesting, how to find something funny, something compelling, something uh, that, that, that goes to whatever you're writing. Uh, how are you going to do that? Then it becomes uh, not so much of a searching function where you're like, oh, what am I going to do? I could do astronauts or I could do, uh, you know, apes. Or I and that's just the A's, right? Or I I, I could do anything, <laughs> but uh, what am I going to do? Well, that's an unanswerable question. But if you say, oh, okay, today I'm going to write about astronauts and apes at the grocery store. Now that's a dumb idea, but they're all dumb. Every idea is dumb. Yeah. If I decide now to take that and how am I going to make that story work? How am I going to make that punchline work? How am I going to make that joke work? Now, instead of searching, I'm problem solving and searching can go on for hours, but problem solving gets very focused, very direct, very quickly. So when I am in that situation, one of the first things I try to do is realize that it's a crisis of, of confidence and not of content. And I try to just say, okay, this is what we're working on today. Commit to it and then, uh, and then start problem solving. That's the first one. The second one that goes right hand in hand with that is that another thing that happens when I'm brain locked in front of my sketchbook is that I realize in the moment. Now, this isn't something I go back. You can't go back and see this in hindsight, but I, I've, I've learned to recognize it in the moment. Uh, it's just the opposite. Nothing is on the page. And, and I know what you're saying. Well, of course, Brad, you're, you're, you're facing writer's block. Of course, nothing's on the page. You don't get it. You don't understand. I haven't even put the pencil on the paper yet. Right. Right. And, and so what happens is like I'm so locked up that I can't even put a mark on the page. Yeah. How, how, how do you face that? Well, you start putting marks on the pages and, and, and the, the best way to start get unlocked for me, along with what I just said, was would be just to start drawing things, just to start drawing images, just to start drawing uh, whatever comes to mind, even though they're really horrible, they're really dumb, they're poorly composed, there's nothing good about them. But this one that you draw is going to bring you to the next little vignette that you're going to draw, which is going to bring you to the next... And eventually your creative process is going to take over and you are going to come to something that you're like, oh, I could do this. Right. And, and, right. and now uh, and that and, and, and so. The other thing is to just start drawing just, or, or if you're writing, just start writing. And you, by the way, the same thing applies to writing. Just start writing sentences, paragraphs, uh, even though 
you're probably going to throw all of them out. I, I had, a, again, one of my students, uh, he gave, gave me a story. I said, oh, my God, this was, <laughs> you know, the old joke. You know, it, it's such a bad restaurant. The food is so bad and such small portions. I said, this is like that, except that the story was not very good. And you gave me a whole lot of it, <laughs> right? <laughs> you needed to edit. You needed to edit this story down. There's a good story in there somewhere. You just have to cut through to get to it. And he says, I know, I know that, but I put all that work into all those sentences and I didn't want to delete them. <laughs> I said, I get it. Oh my God, I so get it. I get it, I get it. You put the work in, but you got to realize that the rest of the work is not just writing the sentences, but knowing which ones have to go, which right, ones have right, to be deleted right. to get you to the good place. And, and so... That's everything that I just said in terms of just start drawing images also applies to writing. Just start writing things. Just start writing sentences, even though, you know, it's going to get you to uh, maybe, uh, you know, it's going to take you a while. Eventually, it's going to get you to a a better place. But you got to make that first mark. And when you're sitting there staring out the window and you look down and you haven't put a mark in your book or you haven't put a single word up there on the screen, you know what you got to do. You got to start. Journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. And and when it comes to an artist, 999 of those steps are probably going to be in the wrong direction. But yep. you got to do them before you get that one. So yep. that's that's how I try to think about creativity. It's it's about it's about realizing that it's a crisis, a, comp, a, a, a crisis of confidence and of language. And it's sometimes. about make yeah, and and of communication, <laughs> the, the other three C's. <laughs> but but it's about confidence and it's about making that first mark, which is by yeah. the way also a confidence issue. If you're sensing yeah. a theme here, I think at the heart of most uh, creative problems is confidence. I'm just I I, I don't want to do the wrong thing. I think it's I think I'm not worth it. I thought I don't think I can do it. And the only way you get past it is to just start doing it. So that's, that's my thoughts on, uh, on how to jumpstart creativity. But more importantly, what I want to hear from you, Dave, is how do you make creative things happen? Well, I, uh, much like Brad, I think confidence is, especially with drive with a longer form story where to quote a, a terrible Star Wars movie, I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it, you know, yeah. uh, is that I, I often know what I need to do in drive. But like Brad said, there's sort of a lack of confidence in what the next step should be or how I get there, how I how what steps do I take to get to that journey, part of the journey, you know, and so. Yeah. Usually in long form storytelling, I will agree with Brad, it's a, it's a lack of confidence and usually like Brad. If I can do the sort of mental metamucil of just starting getting unstuck by just starting on something and then it becomes yeah. problem solving and not the sort of ephemeral like a thousand things are possible and therefore nothing is possible in terms of right. lack of choosing. Sometimes just choosing, like Brad said, and then trying to execute it, you your problem solving muscle kicks in and it's a much better process for you creatively. So there's that. Um with short form, because Sheldon is humor based, um, I often find that the writing block there comes from, honestly, a lack of joy in my own heart at that moment. Yeah. That yeah. If I'm if I'm feeling laughter and joy filled, and I, something will something will spark with me, you know. Yeah. 
And so often the ways that I find myself uh, out of that dark spot where I know I have to do a Sheldon, but I'm not feeling joy filled and there's no sparks coming that are around joy or humor is I will often reread past me to sort of rediscover who my own voice, who I am and what my voice is and what yeah. did I spark on in the past that maybe there's something iterative that can be, or at least parallel, or just reminding myself that I can be funny, am funny. And so and to Brad's point, again, it's a little bit of confidence there too. But reading past me, reading people that I know bring me joy, uh, like a Douglas Adams or watching a little bit of Mel yeah. Brooks or something like that, or talking to a friend that genuinely makes me laugh, like Brad Geiger, which this podcast over the last five years, maybe six years now, uh, has, has even on the non-writer's room episodes, has actually sparked a lot of ideas because I come away from this show a little bit lighter in my step, a little bit more spring and like, bing, 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 knowing that I, yeah. I have a joy in my heart. I can be funny. I've made Brad laugh. He's made me laugh. And therefore, my brain is a little bit more willing to write jokes and a little bit better at it, you know? Yeah. And so even that is sort of getting past a crisis of confidence. Just talking with a friend that's making me laugh is just a reminder that I am funny, can be funny, know what funny is, know how to write funny. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. And it's and it's kind of heartening, too, that that, that like not, one thing that we found uh, after uh, compiling all of these answers is that there's not one way to do it. There's not a right way and a wrong way. Right. Uh, you know, they, they, there's not there's not a method. There's there, there's uh, we heard from so many different people who gave us so many different answers that the, the, the tr truth of the matter is, is that you've got to find what works for your creative process. Right. You've got to find what is what how your brain works, how your creativity sparks most effectively. Uh, and the good news is there's a whole bunch of ideas uh, giving you some places to start. Mm -hmm. And and chances are uh, uh, that maybe someday you're going to be uh, in a position where the microphone is in front of you and you're going to have something completely new and unique to share as well. Just do me a favor. Don't give a joke answer. I, I really feel strongly about that joke because it's, it goes where do you get your ideas comes to the heart of what it means to be a creative person. So. Uh, just do me that favor. No joke answers. And Dave, this is not a joke. As we go into our seventh year of podcasting together, thank you so much. Uh, I, I, you, you touched on it, but I, I just want to say it, uh, it, it. This has been an absolute joy to do week after week with you. And, and I think it's made me a, a better cartoonist. And if I'm uh, without getting too serious, a better person. So thank you so much uh, for six years of podcasting amazement. And I'm looking forward to what we come up with uh, in the seventh. Well, I and agree with, with you. This this six years has been a joy uh, for me. And I want to say that um, as we exit 2023, I want you all to be like Brad Geiger entering a hotel room. Just take your <laughs> forearm and swipe across 2023. Just get yeah. all that off your emotion, all that emotional cruft to just get it out of your heart. We're starting 2044 strong. That's We're going right. to go into That's a great right. year. It that is the best advice you can get. If there's something in your way, you put your arm down and you get it out of the way. Because exactly. you, you, you make are, you... room 
You make room yes. for your Slurpee and for your 48-pack yes. of Slim Jims, and by God, you claim your space in 2024. That's right. You know you've got worth, and you just sit right down. And know, know darn well that out of those 48-pack, 24 of them are going to go to somebody else. <laughs> and with that, I'll tell you that you've been listening to Comic Lab, the show about making comics and making a living from comics. Your hosts have been my ever-delightful friend for whom I am so excited to go into another year of podcasting with. He is the editor of webcomics.com and the creator of Evil Inc. at evilcomic.com. And my good friend Dave Kellett, with whom it has been a joy. The co-director of the comics documentary Stripped and the cartoonist of Sheldon at sheldoncomics.com and Drive at drivecomic.com. And the Comic Lab theme song is used with permission from Andy Creighton at theworldrecord.net. And I would recommend Andy's music wholeheartedly. One of my favorite yeah. artists. He's over at theworldrecord.net. And this episode was edited by the ever-wonderful Matt Woodard, who we thank for such a wonderful year in 2023. Great editing of all of our foibles and flaws and, fa- <sighs> and falsehoods in terms of cutting out all the cruft. So thank you, Matt Woodard of Woodsong Productions over at www.woodsong.media. Yeah, you might even see Matt puts his hand down on those mistakes and just swipes them right off. Just swipes them, making room for his Slurpee. That's right. (laughs) That's right. If you love Comic Lab, you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and you may hear your review featured on a future episode. And if you're listening to Spotify, take a minute. Go over, give us those five stars, because it's going to help us so much, and it's going to make you feel better, too. And I'll tell you what, uh, to make your 2024 even better, do Join us over at patreon.com slash comic lab. I'm so excited for you joining us. I'm going to say it twice, and I might even pronounce it right the second time around. Patreon.com slash comic lab. Oh, listen to that. See? I know what I'm doing. Nice. Who says you can't be taught? love talking to everybody they were all delights but was there one that kind of stood out in your mind uh when we were getting these interviews oh god in terms of energy and joy mike peters by far like head and shoulders i just i want that level of energy in my 80s i he he is a ball of joy and uh, like a little ball lightning bouncing around the room he's he was a great conversationalist and so excited to talk to if, if he walks down the street, you'd never know there's an 80-year-old man walking. If you talk to him, he doesn't talk like an 80-year-old man. He, he is, he's a youthful guy. Uh, and, and, and you're right, just, just full of happiness. Like, like I, I, I said on the show, <laughs> when, when you told him that I was nominated for an award, he sat there and gushed about me. He has no idea who I, what I am. But, but just, just the fact that I had been nominated, yeah. I must have been a good person. And he just, he made me feel like a, like a million, it's the closest people like you and I are ever going to get to a real conversation with Fred Rogers. You know, it was that kind of <laughs> yeah. thing. You, yeah. you are great. I'm so happy to be standing here talking to you. I walked away. I, I felt like I was eight foot tall. 
Yeah, and Mike Peters also one of the funniest guys alive. So if he wanted to, he My could God, eviscerate yeah. us conversationally. But yes. what, what a joy to talk to. Anyway, so if you get a chance at an NCS uh, Ruben weekend, my God, pull Mike Peters aside because that's a conversation you're going to want to have.